Welcome. This is my truth as a platform for honest, open conversations. The stories I share or that others share are often not spoken about or discussed, but once told, I believe they have the ability to shine a light on another perspective or a much needed conversation. These stories may make us laugh, some may make us cry, but together we will learn from one another and begin to heal. Because walls need to be torn down, masks need to come off, stories need to be heard in order for our truths to be told. This is my truth. Will you tell me yours? Hi everyone, welcome back. I'm your host, Jesse Sherliff. Today, I'm really excited to share with you a conversation with Alyssa Weinzimmer. Alyssa and I had a great conversation, but at the heart of what we talked about was finding your voice. Now, I think many of us can relate to the concept of losing your voice, and most of us metaphorically, or maybe with literally with a really quick case of laryngitis. Um, I know for me, there have been many times that I have felt like I have lost my voice, um, especially in a personal setting. I think professionally, and maybe this is why I've always been a bit of a workaholic, I've always felt really confident and secure in my voice, but um, there have been many times in my personal life where I felt like I was just going through the motions and sort of lost lost my sense of self and lost my voice. But what I think is so interesting about Alyssa's story is that she literally lost her voice and her voice was her identity. And so her journey is one where she had to really think about how refinding her voice would reflect her identity. So sit back, relax, and I hope you enjoy my conversation with Alyssa. Hi, Alyssa. I am so thrilled to have this conversation with you today. Thank you so much for being here. It's my pleasure. Thank you so much for asking me, Jesse. Of course. So I'd like to open up our conversation with the question, what is the truth that you would like to share today? Mm. Mm-hmm. Whew. Uh, so I actually have a process that I do. And part of the reason I wanted to have this conversation with you on this podcast is because we are so overlapping in our interests and our projects. So I have a podcast, which actually probably by the time you release this, um, will be called Find Your Voice, Speak Your Truth. I'm renaming my podcast. Amazing. Thank you. Um, it's an ever so slight shift that just allows me to be more fully myself. And, um, that feels really important. So, um, so in, in, on my podcast, um, I share a practice for being able to identify my truth. So I'm just going to do it right now and I'll tell people what I'm doing. Um, so I'll ask myself four questions. The first question being, what is the most prevalent sensation I feel in my body right now? And I can already tell what it is. It is um, that I ate lunch and I am digesting my lunch. <laughs> I can feel it. I had um, leftover spaghetti squash with like um, Swiss chard and uh, what did I put on it? Pine nuts and tomato sauce and 
little bit of cheese. It's not the most acid reflux friendly meal, but it was delicious. It sounds delicious. Yeah, it was really delicious. So I just ate that while I was up on my roof and I like danced a little bit in the sunshine. That's the thing I like to do on any nice day here in Brooklyn. Um, and yeah, now I can feel myself sort of heavily digesting my food. And the second question I will ask myself, well, I already answered it basically, is why do I think I feel this heaviness in my belly? It's because I'm digesting my lunch and because I danced while I was eating it. <laughs> so, and um, third question, what are my emotions about that? Um, gratitude that I ate something good for me and um, that my, my intestines work. And <laughs> um, my desire, which is the fourth question, is to, yeah, to uh, slow down enough to enjoy the things that are necessary for us to do as humans. By which I mean that sometimes I will like hurdle through eating and drinking water and bathing and filling out really complex, annoying forms, which is another thing I've done today. <laughs> Sometimes I will rush through stuff like that because I'm like, this is the boring part and I want to get to the cool part of life. That's my nervous system will def default back to that mode to like that hurrying, that rushing, that impatient mode. And, um, so yeah, the truth I want to share right now is, especially in the middle of a pandemic, I mean, what am I rushing to? Like it's, that's a, that's a, I've had such a different relationship with time. I think we, I imagine we all have, um, but yeah, what, what am I even racing to? And, and the truth is, I know that some of us in the middle of quarantine find ourselves with oodles of time, like confused about what to do it, do with it and like twiddling our thumbs and trying to figure out what to read or what to watch on Netflix. And then some of us have the opposite experience where we're juggling like hugely busy schedules with our work. We're doing childcare. We're, um, I'm just doing Ernie care in fairness. He's, he's pretty easy, but, um, it's my dog, <laughs> but, um, yeah, it's, you know, we all, this moment is stratifying our experience in such an intense way, or at least I can speak for myself. It's stratifying my experience in such an intense way where I can see the behaviors that I've carried for such a long time, like racing through my shower and, and just realize like, I don't have to do that automatically. I can choose that. And I, or I rather what I would like to do is choose something different. So yeah, that's the truth I want to share right now. I guess I guess I just kind of talked about food and time and yeah, just patience. I love that because I think that you're so right that each of us are experiencing quarantine in vastly different ways. And I think even in your own experience, you know, for me, we were just talking about this before we hit record. It's every day is different. And honestly, every hour is different. And I have the fortune to be on a leave of absence from work right now so that I can um, be the full-time caregiver to my daughters while my husband goes back and forth to Michigan to, to be the caregiver for his father. Um, and 
I also catch myself reverting back to busy, keeping them on a schedule. We have to log into the Zoom online classes. And again, like my kids are four and two. And <laughs> I, I catch myself getting caught in this should, should, should. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's just the, the way that I've operated my life for the last 35 years and it's a hard habit to break. And for me, it's a habit. And also how I constructed my life. But I would say over the last year and a half, I've been working towards deconstructing that and have been able to appreciate, you know, I'm recognizing when I am in that moment of like busy and able to then pause and say, okay, Lucy, you don't want to log into Zoom class today. Great. Like <laughs> don't log into Zoom class today. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, it's allowed for amazing little opportunities that I never would have been able to see before of, you know, going to play at the park, socially distant appropriately. Mm-hmm. <laughs> of course. <laughs> but you know, just being able to be outside and watch the girls learn how to climb a tree and play with each other and fight, let's be honest. (laughs) (laughs) There are small 30 second moments of them playing together and just appreciating the small moments, which I love your flow of asking yourself sort of what is your truth in the moment? Because I think that is what it forces you to do. It forces you to slow down and check in and appreciate and listen to what you need in that moment, which I think is great. Thanks for sharing that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Part of, part of what I love, I mean, that framework came to me, this, what I call, you know, the find your voice, speak your truth framework. It came to me over the course of past number of years studying a lot of different things, studying somatics. So that's kind of a broad category of body embodiment studies, including yoga, et cetera. I'm um, very nearly certified in something called body mind centering. I actually would have in an alternative universe, been in Montreal right now, graduating tomorrow, actually. (laughs) Yeah. So um, I will graduate probably a year from now at this point, but um, but anyhow, I'm darn close. And um, in body mind centering, um, which is um, work that is created by someone wonderful named Bonnie Bainbridge Cohen, my teacher, um, there's just a lot of. I think what I learned from Bonnie is that a feeling can be so many different things, right? Mm-hmm. When someone asks you, How do you feel? Our, our standard answer is good. I feel good. And it's like, well, what does that mean? That statement even embodied. Um, But a feeling can refer to the sensations in our body, which is the first question that I ask. A feeling can refer to our thoughts, like our thought train that happens. And we can easily go down that train and then we're like way far away from our actual experience. A feeling can refer to our emotion. A feeling can refer to what we want, to our desire. So to me, to separate out my feelings, essentially, into understanding like how they're manifesting really helps me um, yeah, live a more embodied experience of my truth, which I then can you know, share. 
Well, I love that because I think it's, it's all about alignment, right. And checking in and, you know, what you just said in terms of feelings and the four different ways that they can manifest, I think is so important because you're right. It's funny when you said, what do people typically say? You said, good. I was like, fine. Everything's fine. fine. Yeah. Fine. fine. (laughs) That's another example. Yeah. How are you? Fine. And again, I, I think about my journey and how I'm trying to break lots of habits and I credit both coaching and therapy for this, but Mm -hmm. you know, there's so much more, I think about the iceberg analogy where it's the Mm -hmm. tip, but then there's so much underneath and even, you know, when someone asked me when I started this journey and they're like, you know, what are you feeling? I was like, I don't know, like happy, sad, mad. And they're like, no, like what other emotions? I was like, I don't know. There's like the three. Um, Come on. All there is, but there's, there's so much more to it. And I think that um, it's just, it's beautiful that you think about centering yourself in that way. Um, I think that's great. Thank you. Um, so tell us a little bit about what your journey has looked like. Yeah. So, um, sometimes I wonder like before God sent me down to planet earth or, you know, whatever we believe about all of this, if like I got stamped with the word voice and then sent down, like, sometimes I'm like, is this in every pore of my body? Like, this is just my Dharma. This is my life. Um, yeah, if I could have a word tattooed across my forehead, it would be voice. I'm the voice girl. Um, so, yeah, so the way I wound up here, I um, I wanted to do theater camp when I was young. I, like, begged my mom. The local Jewish community center had um, this really cool theater camp, and I knew someone who got in when they were seven because their mom asked, like, and they made an exception even though you were supposed to be eight. And so I begged my mother as like that summer was approaching. I was like, please, 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 just ask so I don't have to be in the boring camp with the normal kids and I can be in theater camp. And she didn't ask. She was like, Alyssa, you have to wait until you're eight. And I was so sad because you know how long a year is when you're that old. It's so long. So long. Um, so I had to wait a whole year. And finally I got to do theater camp. And before that I had like, I'd gone to some like community center dance classes. I have these memories of like running across the room, throwing scarves in the air, that type of thing. Um, but yeah, theater camp really solidified my identity for me. <laughs> and something that I also realize now, this has actually been a much more recent like flashback essentially, if we're talking about like reincorporating trauma. Um, I started to remember that during the school year, this might have actually been like after I started theater camp, but before I started um, like really specific music lessons or anything like that, singing lessons, uh, I, I spent my recesses in elementary school. I would go way back to the back corner of the field and I would sit on this log. And by the way, I went back to my elementary school last Thanksgiving and this was all still there. I would go to this log and I would sit down with my friend Katie and we would write spiritual songs. We would like chant. And yeah, so I just realized that I've been a hippie slash witch slash songwriter my whole life. 
I forgot for a while because I got so swept up into training and I got praised for having a good voice, which is, you know, it's painful to not get that attention. And it's also painful to get that attention. It's basically painful to exist anywhere on a binary. Mm-hmm. Um, so then I had all these expectations about like the ways I was supposed to show up and how I was supposed to literally perform um, all through high school and college. And when I was 21 years old, I was in um, an acapella group at my university at USC, the University of Southern California, fight on. And um, we were on acapella retreat for the weekend. So yes, it was very much like what you've seen in the movie Pitch Perfect. (laughs) And I had had, the whole story is I had had mono the semester before. So my immune system was compromised. And then going into this weekend, I'd had like kind of a cold laryngitis. And we belted my solo, I belted my solo over and over and over and over. We were rehearsing it for the International Championship of Collegiate Acapella Performance. And so I was singing What a Feeling from Flashdance over and over mm-hmm. and, um, and drinking at night. And little did I know, it was totally the perfect storm for what I later learned was a vocal hemorrhage. Um, and yeah, I lost my voice. I had to go on, on vocal rest for a month. Um, and basically after that for, I mean, it's been 13 years as of the moment I'm talking to you right now since then. And I don't need, I can't even point to a date where I was like, I trust my voice again. Um, it's just been a, a, um, ever unfolding process of trusting my voice. So in the process, I started learning everything I could, and then I started teaching, and um, now I run my business, Voice Body Connection. And it's not just about vocal health. It is very much about vocal health and helping people understand how to deal with the ongoing lingering muscle tension issues that usually accompany any sort of vocal trauma. But it's also very much about um, our what it means to have a voice on a emotional level, on a mental level, on a spiritual level? Like how, how do we get confident about our message in the world? How do we share our truth with other people? Um, how do we do so in a way that is empowering to all those involved and not harmful? Um, these are the questions that I spend all day and sometimes all night thinking about. <laughs> I was so excited to talk to you because like you said, there are so many synergies with what we're trying to do. So first of all, thank you for sharing your story. Yeah, my pleasure. I can only imagine what that was like to have, you know, I'm putting words in your mouth a little bit. So apologies, but it sounds like your identity taken away. I would absolutely use those words. Yeah. And, um, to then be like, well, where do I go from here? And Mm -hmm. I can relate to that um, in the sense that when I was trying to get pregnant and we were not able to in the quote unquote, like traditional way, you know, as a woman, I felt like I was not able to live up to my identity as, you know, what society had said a woman should be able to do. And I just know how that manifested for myself. Um, and so I can, I can only imagine what that was like for you. So thank you for sharing that. Yeah. Thank you for sharing. Um, I'm 
curious because we, we talked a little bit about this. For me, it manifested in a lot of ways until I started my own personal journey. I was really good at compartmentalizing and throwing away the key and not dealing with my emotions for, mm-hmm. for many, many years, let's be honest. Mm-hmm. Um, so what did that journey look like for you if you're comfortable sharing? Yeah, I'm thinking about a very specific moment. Um, I moved to Tulsa, Oklahoma for the better part of a year in 2018, so two years ago. Hey, Tulsa, what's up? I miss you guys. <laughs> and um, and then when it was time to move back to New York City and and Spirit let me know it was it was my journey to move back to New York City, I packed up this little Audi that was on its last legs. One of my best friends was getting rid of it. And I was like, can I have your car for a couple months just to drive across the country? It was so funny. It was this Audi convertible that um, the roof leaked um, and the windows did not roll down. Um, So I packed all of my stuff into this Audi convertible and I drove in this weird zigzag. I thought it would be fun. I thought I would love it. Um, back up to Brooklyn. I wanted to visit all my friends along the way, but it was it was a little bit circuitous the way I did it. Anyway, <clears throat> at one point I went into Asheville, North Carolina to visit a friend there. And then I doubled b- back out of Asheville to go back up to Ohio. Yeah, I, I told you it wasn't practical. <laughs> um, and, um, and so I'm like driving this route into Asheville and the next day, maybe two days later, driving the route back out. And in the interim, my friend that I had stayed with, we had done like, you know, we'd we'd gone into these deep vocal places together. And I remember being on that drive and realizing maybe on a deeper level than I ever had, how traumatic it was when I lost my voice. Like, I just remember there was something about if anyone's ever driven these roads into Asheville from the West, like there are these like gorgeous cliffs and they're covered in like all the different types of greenery that are native to that area. And, you know, you're driving basically through the Blue Ridge Mountains. And I just was like, I felt my story bouncing back to me off the mountains is kind of how I remember it. I was like, oh my God. Oh my God. Oh my God. That was trauma. That was like the biggest trauma I've ever experienced in my life. Um, And, you know, I think the reason I had never let myself feel that as deeply as I did back in 2018 is because it's kind of privileged trauma, or at least that's what I had told myself is like, oh, but other people experience things that are so terrible. Like, wow, boo-hoo, Alyssa, that you lost your voice when you were 21 and you couldn't be on Broadway like you were planning to. Um, And something that I've been realizing as I've been letting myself process my story as trauma is that putting trauma on a hierarchy is not the point and it's not helpful. Yeah. Like our the, the bottom line is our human nervous system experiences, if we don't feel safe, like that's it. It doesn't matter what the stimulus is. It doesn't matter the story around the stimulus. Like if I don't feel safe, if I don't feel comfortable, if I don't feel loved, um, that's traumatic. Um, and, and if I don't feel like I can retain my identity as I've known it very much like you said. So, um, yeah. And, and, 
It was not too long after I started to really process my story as trauma um, that I started going through not just the intellectual experience that I'd gone through for years of trying to figure out what had happened to me, but also the emotional experience of processing it. And that's, of course, an ongoing experience. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and out of that, I was able to have the flashbacks to like, oh my gosh, pre-training Alyssa sang these simple spiritual songs that like some part of me, not me, but a story I got told made me think that that was um, silly or too simple or um, not important or not what I should be doing. So anyway, it's, it's been this like beautiful, the, the last couple of years for me, especially have been this like lovely, painful, unpeeling process yeah. of, um, well, I guess peeling is already unpeeling, peeling away process. <laughs> got it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Of, um, being like, Oh, like what's in there? Like, what is my essence? And I mean, we have so many layers of gunk flung at us as human beings that I think we're probably always going to be like letting those layers wash away. But um, I feel more like myself every day and I feel shinier and happier and more abundant and just knowing that my voice is my voice and my story is my story and um, I get to be who I am. I know people cannot see you, but you have this huge, like glowing (laughs) smile on your face as you're saying that. And I think that is, it's just beautiful. There's, there's two things that I, there's so much there that you just said, but there's two things I want to unpack. So, Mm -hmm. um, the first thing being, um, sort of how you quoted it, privileged trauma. And Mm -hmm. I, can relate to that too on so many different levels. And I want to just reiterate what you said that what you've learned right in this experience is if, if you are feeling unsafe or unloved or you're like, it doesn't matter. That is your truth. That is your story. And what I've experienced in telling my story is, you know, there's so much judgment out there um, both from others, but also from ourselves. And mm-hmm. for me, I put so much judgment on my story for lots of different reasons, but I was always like, no one else can, can relate. Like no one else has been through my exact same situation. And what I've learned is it doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. Um, my story is unique to me. Mm-hmm. All of our stories are unique to us because we're all our own individual beings, but it's, the magic comes in being able to see the common threads. And um, I'm reminded of a conversation I had with uh, my friend Kristen on the podcast. She was talking about, you know, she's a breast cancer survivor, but she never went through chemo. She ended up just doing a double mastectomy and how she also felt, you know, that even saying she was a cancer survivor felt weird because she didn't go through, you know, the quote unquote, like full process. And I think that, what you're saying is just so innate to all of us as we think about what our truths are, big or small. It doesn't matter what the size of it, it's whatever has made you feel alone or isolated in that moment. Like that's yours and someone can relate. 
Um, and in my experience, there's been such a journey and an empowerment to be able to share that and be on the other side of it. Um, yeah. So I, oh, go ahead. Well, I, I, what I would say to that is I, th- I think I had a story, a, a somewhat unexamined story in my mind that there are kids growing up surrounded by bombings in Syria. And there are people in the country I'm in who, because of the color of their skin, walk outside of their door every day worried about microaggressions and the safety of major aggressions. Um, And I have the privilege afforded to someone who is white, who is upper middle class, who is, I mean, I could name so many things like, um, you know, and... And therefore, like those people are experiencing suffering and oppression. So I need to be happy with who I am and, and my, what I have. But the way I see it, and this is actually kind of a metaphor that works in conjunction with how sound works with our, with our voices. So our voice is vibration, right? And in fact, all matter Physicists would tell us that all matter is vibration, that like the desk here on which my microphone is sitting, everything around me is matter. It's particles vibrating and particles vibrating is actually going to create a sound because vibration is sound. Like it's all the same thing. If I am the vibration of Alyssa and you are the vibration of Jesse and Oprah is the vibration of Oprah and so on and so forth, um, then our job is to be the most pure, fullest expression of Alyssa, Jesse, Oprah, Dr. Phil, whoever, <laughs> that, you, um, that you can possibly be. And it's true that like the little girl growing up in Syria surrounded by bombings might have a lot more of that gunk to process through to be the most expressed, full vibration of herself. And that makes me really sad. That makes me extremely sad. Um, But it doesn't change the fact that I can help that little girl and everyone around me better when I also allow myself to like slough the shit off my nervous system and become my best self. So um, yeah, just understanding that that's like literally the mechanics, the physics of how it works really, really helps me have the permission to, I mean, okay. I, now I know why I mentioned Oprah to live my best life. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. Um, I, yes, I think that is so true. And I love that. I love that analogy or the metaphor. That's that's perfect. Mm -hmm. Um, the other thing I wanted to touch on and unpack a little, and this is probably because I'm in the middle of reading untamed, um, Mm -hmm. but, Mm -hmm you were talking about how you were this little girl sitting with your friend on a log. And at some point someone, you know, told you that it was silly or, and I think too, that is something that so many of us can relate to, especially as women. Um, and I just want to acknowledge that and just sort of, you know, what a gift that you're able to, recognize that and recognize that 
you know, at some point, you know, this is what you've always wanted to be doing and to, to use your own words, right. That you've been able to slough off the gunk and live your best life, which is, you know, something that has been innate in you since you were young, which is amazing. Thank you. I received that. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Um, and if you haven't read Untamed for those listening, I am like obsessed with it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I've been hearing such good things and everyone holds up that book cover and I'm like, oh my God, it's so pretty and colorful. I love it. Yeah. I just got it. Um, it just mm-hmm. came, we did a, I ordered it for myself for Mother's Day at our local bookstore. They do mm-hmm. it. Yes. Everyone order from your local bookstores. Totally. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. I ordered one for my mom too. Um, oh, nice. But- oh, that's a great idea. Mom. You're getting an extra Mother's Day gift. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I haven't read it yet, but you got to read this. Uh-huh. Um, and now I'm reading it and I'm like, oh, this is so good. Um, so I am curious, you know, you're looking at yourself at 21. Um, you have no voice. What is the advice that you would give yourself in that moment? Oh my God. Um, ooh, no one's ever asked me that question. Um, Alyssa, go find a therapist <laughs> would be number one. <laughs> I feel like I should have gotten into therapy at some point. I've been to so many. <laughs> um, I went to therapy two years after that, but I went because I was suffering in my romantic relationships, which actually that's been part of my processing lately is I've been like, oh, this was a huge aha for me. Oh my gosh, this was a huge aha for me. So, you know, we all have our areas where we, where we struggle. Like some of us struggle with um, addiction, um, with alcohol, with drugs, et cetera. My areas have been money and relationships. Those have been like, ugh, the challenging ones, the most challenging and sugar. We could add sugar in there too. I like (laughs) eating sugar. Um, so it's interesting because I started going into credit card debt when I was like 21 or 22. And I also started having a string of bad relationships when I was 21 or 22. And I thought that the story was, well, Alyssa graduated college and went out into the real world and took a nosedive a little bit, right? Like I thought that that was my story. And then I suddenly realized because this is, this is the uncovering of trauma. I was like, oh, it wasn't my cap and gown that caused these issues. It was, I lost my voice. It was the trauma. Oh, like that was such a huge aha for me. I started acting out when I didn't have an outlet to process my trauma. So um, I don't know, aside from, I, I absolutely would have very gently said to my 21 year old self, darling, here are some numbers for therapists. Um, but aside from that, I think I would have just hugged myself and held myself and let myself cry because even, I mean, and this is for anyone else who has ever been through a similar experience. Um, and I know a lot of you cause you found me. Um, not only ha- was I going through the biggest trauma I'd ever experienced in my whole life, but I was put on vocal rest for a month. So I couldn't talk. Yep. So like, I mean, if you, if you think you're already going to shut down when something like that happens, I didn't even, I just, I, I it's, it's, it's like a, I can't, my brain still can't comprehend how much I must've shut down at that time. 
I had no idea it was happening. So yeah, I think I would just like hold myself until I started crying. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah. Thank you. Um, how can people continue to follow you on your journey? Yeah. Thank you for asking. Um, well, you can follow me on my journey and you can join me in yours. I would love it. Um, my website is voicebodyconnection.com. And um, very soon there will be a free mini course there that you can take called Find Your Voice, Speak Your Truth. Um, you can listen to the podcast. Um, you can join my community. All of that information is on the website. So come find me at voicebodyconnection.com. Thank you so much, Alyssa. Thank you so much, Jesse. Thank you for spending time with me today. So here's the thing. When I started this journey for myself, I didn't know what to do once I admitted I wasn't happy. I felt relief for finally admitting that I was numb inside, but I didn't know what my next step should be. So I got help and I found a community. My goal with this podcast is to pay it forward. So I've just created a private Facebook community And in this community, I hope to create a space where others can share their moments, big or small, that are part of your story. Because what I learned in going through this process myself is when you're not telling your story, someone else is telling it for you. So if you've ever had this little fire inside of you burning to share your story, if you ever heard this little voice encouraging you to write down your story, come join my Facebook community. In it, I'll be sharing more insights and truths of my own, and I'll also be sharing tips and journal prompts to get you to be starting down the path of getting comfortable sharing your story. This isn't easy, but I'm here to hold your hand because someone held my hand when I went through it myself. I look forward to seeing you there. Thank you.